Hi, I'm Casey Hobbs, host of Nurse Talk Radio, one of the thousands of nurses on duty today. Here's what we're talking about this week. Thank you, Congressman Espaillat, and most importantly today, the nurses. Thank you for your courage. Um, I feel so proud. You make me feel proud to be an American Um, and to know that Americans stand up uh, for justice and for health care and for life today. Um, Because I have to tell you, I'm ashamed of my government. Um, If only the government would be a reflection of the compassion um, of its people, which you represent today. You represent us all so with such dignity. And I want to say thank you because I know there was a lot of comfort that you brought and a lot of healing and life-saving. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with my co-host Shane Mason, and we are two of the thousands of nurses on duty today. The clip was Representative Luis V. Gutierrez of Illinois during the recent press conference with congressional members, RNs calling for additional assistance for Puerto Rico and to share insight regarding current conditions on the ground. The RNs, Members of Registered Nurses Response Network, RNRN, a disaster relief program sponsored by National Nurses United, the largest U.S. union of RNs, were in Puerto Rico as part of a 300-member deployment led by the AFL-CIO in conjunction with the Puerto Rican Federation of Labor and San Juan's mayor's office. Here with us is Christine Grant, RN from Washington, D.C., Christine was one of the nurses who went to Puerto Rico and was part of the congressional meeting. Christine, welcome to Nurse Talk, and thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. So first off, Christine, how long have you been a nurse? Seven years. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. And why did you become a nurse, and where do you currently work? I work at the Washington, uh, D.C. VA Medical Center in Washington, D.C., and I actually shifted into nursing from social work, and One of the reasons I wanted to do that, I really was looking for something that was going to give me a wide range uh, in the work that I can do to help the community and to help others. Yeah. So you were one of over 50 nurses who recently returned to Puerto Rico just a few days ago, along with three or four fellow nurses who spoke with members of Congress about the ongoing humanitarian crisis in Puerto Rico. Why did the nurses feel the need to speak out about this crisis? It is so important that we continue to shed a light on what's happening in Puerto Rico because, unfortunately, there's so much that's happening in the world, and the story will only stay in the spotlight as long as people continue to talk about it. So our biggest concern was when we got back, because Puerto Rico needs so much help and so much more resources, we have to continue to talk about this in order to get resources to people in Puerto Rico. Yeah, and just some notes of what's going on there. People are standing in line for hours and blistering heat for water. There's people living in houses with the roofs blown off. There's outbreaks of disease, lots of communities without clean water, and, and really a lack of basic health care services. Talk about what you and the delegation are asking of Congress. So we are asking them, the first thing I think that's so important is to continue the FEMA deadline. So basically, they have 60 days to apply for services, but... One of the problems that we noticed when we were there, there's only three ways that you can access FEMA, and that is either you go to a location that FEMA has set up, you contact FEMA either by phone or online, and with no electricity and cell phone service being quite poor, many residents in Puerto Rico, the only way they can actually apply for assistance is to go to a site, and what happens is you get there and you're in line with hundreds of other people who need help, 
but they cannot see everyone at once. Sometimes FEMA will be there for one or two days, but if that's the only way that people can actually apply for services, that's not going to work. So we're asking them to extend the 60-day deadline. We would like them to extend it um, at least another 120 days. So that would be an additional 60 days. Wow. And so how do people get to these uh, FEMA places that are set up? I would imagine they'd have to travel long distances. Correct. You would probably have to get a ride um, if you if there is someone that has a car, but because that's the only way that you can get there. FEMA will go to the different municipalities for, for people who live you know, on the outskirts, you have to find a ride or some way to get there. And we were in a town called uh, Rio Grande, and there was a baseball stadium that FEMA had set up, and the line sneaked outside around the stadium, and it was unbelievably hot that day. And they were not giving out bottles of water or food. Actually, I take that back. I take that back. Um, what FEMA did give out, they gave out a bottle of water, and they gave out individualized snacks. So if you stood online for hours just to get in, to sit down and talk with the representative, that's all you received. So I couldn't figure out why the use of this space and the parking lot that we were in, that they didn't have trucks of food and water. So I approached the head of FEMA that was there, and I asked him about this, and he said two things. He said FEMA does not distribute food and water, that that was the responsibility of the Army and the mayor. And then when I pressed him about it, he said it would have been too chaotic. So, so first of all, you have a situation where you have hundreds of people who need supplies and resources. This would have been the perfect opportunity to distribute the food and water that they need, as well as getting your application for FEMA taken care of. And they just did not maximize the best use of time. And I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked that you waited for hours and all you were getting done was an application. You got a bottle of water and you got an individualized snack pack. That's it. That's terrible. Seems like they could have brought President Trump to come throw food to all those people, yes, right? Yes, yes, or at least thing. some paper towels oh, along with goodness. all the rest I, of it. I met this one gentleman, and, I, and he talked about that, and he just talked about how disrespectful that was. And he said, you know, Puerto Ricans don't need paper towels. They need more food. They need more resources. Yes. And he was so insulted that, that he did that. So what exactly is FEMA responsible for? If it's, not, I mean, it's not food you're saying, but it, are they giving money or are they, how are they going to help helping actually rebuild people's houses? What do they do? So what happens is you get online and you get your application completed, and then someone has to go out to the home to assess the damage. But there's a couple of steps that have to happen before that can. You have to respond back to FEMA, and once again, if you don't have electricity, if you don't have use of a cell phone, I'm not sure how FEMA is going to contact these residents to do the follow-up. So it's, it's just a big problem. So you cannot just have a 60-day time period for the people of Puerto Rico when their circumstances are so much different than those that are in Texas or in Florida. Yeah, that's what's so uh, heart-wrenching about this situation. So right. is the Department of Defense, aren't they supposed to supply greater technology and logistics to Puerto Rico? Well, I'm not sure about that. If that is what they're supposed to do, we didn't see that happening on the ground. We, we just did not see that. And what about the big ship that's off the coast that no one's in? U.S. Comfort, I believe. Um, Where nobody can seem to get are, to it. Are there people there now or what? 
Well, well, logistically, the location of the ship, I think, is a big problem. So first of all, it's located in an area where most folks are not going to be able to get on board. The only way that you can actually get on the USS Comfort, you would need a doctor-to-doctor transfer, number one. And then you would have to get on a helicopter in order to get there. If you're located in San Juan or if you're located, let's say, in Umacao on the other side, you have to get to the opposite side of the island in order to get on board the USS Comfort. That's a problem in itself. And so I'm not sure why they designed it that way, um, you know, whether it's because you couldn't get to so close to the port, but there are people who just simply cannot get to that side of the island to have access to it. And once again, this requires a doctor-to-doctor transfer that has to be done before you can get on. You know, and how many people have access to their doctor at this time? You know, you had a right. huge crisis. I'm sure the doctor doesn't isn't open for business and can fax results or anything. So the only way I'm thinking that you can get on, you would actually have to be in the hospital. A doctor from the hospital has to contact a doctor on board the ship in order to even start that process. But there's so many people, once again, who are not located near a hospital, do not have transportation to get to the hospital. So it's just a big problem, a very big problem. Overall, who's in charge right now? Is it the military? Is it FEMA? I think overall, I think there are a number of different entities that are controlling different things. I I don't know that it's FEMA that's in charge. FEMA's in charge of one portion. I know that the local town and the local police stations, they're in charge of another portion of it. But from what I understand, there's food sitting at the port. And you can bring the food to the port, but it's to get it from the port outside of San Juan to the municipalities that need it. So if groups of nurses can get into minivans and load up those minivans with food and drive to different municipalities, then I don't understand why, whether the Army, whether the local government cannot do the same. It's it's surprising. And so what, as an RN, besides doing that, loading up people in a van and getting them food and water, what else were you able to accomplish there? So we had to do a lot of teaching because uh, as you drove into the different municipalities, there's water that comes off the side of the mountain. And lots of people, that was their only outlet, would drive down and would fill up containers for drinking. They would take baths in that. They would wash their clothes. A lot of teaching has to be done about the water before you can consume it. One, you either need to be able to boil it, uh, use a little bleach in the water, or use some of the aqua tabs that we were able to distribute. But a big problem, once again on the island, lots of stores ran out of bleach because you had a big issue in some of the homes with mold because of the rain. And it's their rainy season right now. So in the afternoon, it's going to rain for a couple of hours at a time. And if you don't have any protection, you're going to have this constant rain coming in, and then you have this moisture. So some people receive tarps, but to put a tarp over a home that's having mold, that's an issue, we have to teach about, okay, this is what you need to do to clean the mold. But I think even before that, your main priority is food and water before you can even think about dealing with mold in your home. So that becomes a bigger problem. Yeah. So what else are you asking Congress to do, and is there any progress on that? I don't know about the progress. I know that what we're asking for Congress is also to um, immediate resources for the physical year to address the Medicaid crisis. Um, We are also asking Congress to ensure people have access to the U.S. as comfort. 
Uh, we are also asking for a supply to create technological and logistical support for Puerto Rico. So, so basically, I thought of, okay, maybe instead of doing the bottled water, which maybe costs a little bit more to get to, why not set up these filtration systems? If you know that this is where people are going to collect the water and use these runoffs, and they simply set up a filtration system there so they could filter out some of the bacteria that is in the water. I'm not sure if that's happening. So what, do you, what can people here do to help? I think what people need to do is, one, if they can contact their local representative and ask them to have FEMA extend the deadline and also let them know that Puerto Ricans simply need more resources, whether that's in the way of allowing people to have access to come here because the big problem is there's some people that want to stay in Puerto Rico, but there's not that many flights going in and out of Puerto Rico. So I don't know if they can create something where, okay, they simply have more flights set up for people who want to leave the island and have someone here in the United States uh, that can care for them and provide assistance to get more people off the island. We've been talking with RN Christine Grant. Christine was one of the nurses who went to Puerto Rico with a delegation of over 300 people. Along with her fellow nurses, she spoke at a recent congressional meeting. So, Christine, thank you so much for being with us, and thank you for going to Puerto Rico and and, uh, doing what you could to help your fellow Americans. And, And thank you for continuing to talk about this because it's so important. For more information about this topic or about National Nurses United, visit nnu.org.